Welcome to Mastering Money, the Educator's Edition, where we share the latest ideas and research in financial literacy education. I'm Doretta Thompson, Financial Literacy Leader for Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada. We provide no-cost programs and free online resources that help Canadians own their finances and learn the language of money. This episode is part of our season focusing on the road ahead, financially and mentally, due to the impacts of COVID-19. Our guests will help us understand what the future may look like and provide some insights on what steps we can take moving forward. You can find our podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcasts. If you have any questions, you can get in touch with us at financialliteracy at cpacanada.ca. Today, from beautiful Vernon, BC, we're joined by Lee Sindlinger, CPA, CGA, account manager, mom, and all-star CPA financial literacy volunteer. Lee's been a financial literacy volunteer for the past six years and has impressively presented more than 160 sessions to schools in BC, helping kids from grades 3 to 12 learn the basics of money, something that's so important to get familiar with at a young age. Lee's here today to share her experiences in teaching kids about money and give you parents out there some idea of when to start, how to start, and where to start. Lee, thanks so much for being here with me today, virtually, as we're talking across the country in these interesting times. It's such a crucial topic, especially right now when so many things are changing, including how we educate our kids. Yes, you're absolutely right. And thank you very much for having me. I'm honored to be here. You were saying earlier that uh, you did a session just last night remotely. Tell me about that. I did. I did. It was for a foundation in Vancouver, and they have a group of about 13 grade 10 to 12 students who are looking for the beginnings of financial education and then set up the two workshops. So we did one last night on earning income, and we have another one scheduled for tonight on budgeting and expenses. Ah, such great places to start. Um, Where do you normally start when you're talking to kids about money? It depends very much on which workshop I'm presenting and what age group it is. For example, if I'm talking about bartering with grades three and four, then I'll start off with an example of trading and I'll give them a hint that they may not know what the word means, but I can guarantee they have all tried it and they just have this look on their face of, I don't even know what you're talking about. And then I'll say, well, has anyone ever traded a school lunch? And they'll all start nodding, and then they get the gist of it. So I try to always start with something that they can relate to. Bartering sounds like a really cool place to start with little kids because they would relate to that very easily, trading lunches, trading cards, that kind of thing. What about some of your older school groups? When I'm presenting their workshops to the older students, the credit card workshop in particular, I find that the teachers are just as interested as the students are in how they work because there are a lot of concepts that they themselves may not be familiar with related to them. So the teachers will put their hands up and ask questions throughout the workshops as well as the students. Two of the other workshops that I present to that age group, earning income and budgeting and expenses. So the earning income one, while we go through things like what to expect 
in terms of wage levels for different types of professions and payroll taxes and things like that. I also talk about some of the strategies around when they're interviewing, such as negotiating your wage, when you could negotiate for it, why you should, um, what you can do to get experience to be able to get a job, things around those types of situations. And then of course in budgeting and expenses, particularly for that age group, they're about to go out and have to start paying rent and have to start paying food for themselves. So being able to break down the types of expenses they're going to come across and then divide those into things that they absolutely need to spend their money on versus things that they want to spend their money on but maybe they can't afford to, that is a really valuable foundation for them to start looking after money without mum and dad or a caregiver in the picture maybe. It's interesting. So many people find it hard to talk about money. Parents find it very difficult to talk to their children about money often. I remember when my children were little, my daughter being out shopping with her and saying, no, there's no more money. And she's saying, well, go to the machine and get more. She had this idea that it was this magic money machine that just spit out money. And parents are often reluctant or cautious about knowing where to start. What would your advice be to parents? Let's start with that sort of young age group about responding to children's questions and how to have those, begin those conversations about money safely. I think it's never too young to start talking to your children about money, particularly when they're starting to ask you to buy things for them. So helping them understand the value of something and how to pay for that is so important at a young age. I remember when I was young, I, I can't remember how old I was, maybe about eight or 10, and I remember clearly asking my mom if she had $100,000 in the bank. I have no idea why I asked that question, but I clearly remember asking it. And she was very honest and open about it and said, no, we don't. She said, if we sold our house, we would, but we don't have that much money and we would like to have that much money. But the answer was no, and, and that led to a conversation about how much money that really is. So for parents talking to their children, it, it's never too young to start, and it doesn't have to be the $100,000 topic of conversation. It can be something as simple as if the child wants a book for $5, if the parent can explain how much effort is required to maybe earn that $5, then the child will have a better understanding of the value of it. Sometimes I think parents and teachers underestimate just how interested kids actually are in money and how giving them permission to discuss it is actually a very empowering thing. Absolutely. I can't emphasize enough how many times in the workshops that I've presented I've had to actually say we only have time for a few stories because everyone has a story to tell about money, whether it's pocket money, whether it's feeding their pets, whether it's the time they work to save money to buy a, a new video game. It, the stories are endless and students aren't at all shy about talking about it. They're interested in talking about it and they wanna share their stories and ask their questions. So really for parents, one of the important things that they can do is recognize those teaching moments as they come up. Totally. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. If parents are willing to answer the questions or even maybe start the conversation, then children will start asking questions and one question will lead to another one. And it's okay for parents not to know all the answers. Just to get children starting to think about money and the basics of it is the first step in getting them to learn what they need to know about it, for sure. In terms of those kinds of basics that parents might want to talk to their kids about, how do you feel about things like allowances and teaching children how to save? What are some good strategies around that? That's a really good question. I read a book recently from an Australian fellow, actually, Scott Pape, his name is, and he has a couple of books out. It's it's called the Barefoot Investor Series, but he has done one particularly for families that I really like. And he talks about giving children pocket money, but making them work for it, whether it is doing the dishes or mowing the lawn or sweeping the driveway. It doesn't matter what it is or how young they are, finding a job that suits them so that their pocket money to them is money earned. It's not just given to them and here's your pocket money this week and you can spend it on whatever you want. So he's linking that value of money early on. And then the way that he explains it is to say, okay, now you've got this pocket money. Every week you have to split it into three buckets. One is your save bucket. One is your splurge bucket, and I I may be getting this slightly wrong, and the other one is your give bucket. So you always put some of your money away, even if you only get a dollar. 25 cents goes in one bucket. Your splurge bucket is things for right now. You know, you want to go and buy that candy or that toy or that whatever. And then your give bucket is to share it with other people. And I really like his tactic of, save for the bigger things, splurge on things right now, and always have a little bit of money to share with others. So giving children pocket money at a young age is a great idea, but starting to build some of those concepts around it, I think, is even better. Some of the interesting sort of core concepts of money that I think are are really important for kids to understand and to think about are things like the differences between a want and a need. And these are things that are important at whatever age, whatever age you are, is to understand those differences. I mean, there is a sense in which one person's want may be another person's need, and and that's a value judgment. But the idea is just of understanding basic needs, what's really important to you, and then prioritizing everything else. How do kids react to that concept? Because I know it's a fundamental concept in really all our programming at different ages. It's very interesting when you talk about that with students, depending on how old they are. Mm -hmm. So when I present that concept to grade seven level, then they feel that the needs are the very basic needs of everyone. So food, shelter, and clothing. And then when we start to talk about the quality of life you might have, if that was all you had, then they start to say, well, it might be nice to have this or that or, you know, a nice sweater or a good pair of shoes or a video game. And I always bring up, what about the internet? What about a phone? And they go, no, that's not a need. No, that's definitely a want. No big deal. But when you get to grade 10, 
those students, the students at that age, feel that a phone is a need. Absolutely. They agree that the basics are all needs as well, but their ideas of what else is a need are vastly different in just those few years. And so it's always quite entertaining to prod them a little bit about it and say, is it really a need? Do you really need a phone? Do you really need access to the internet? And then that starts the conversation going between the people in the class who say, well, I guess not, and the other people in the class who say it totally is. You know, I can't be without my social network. So getting them to think about it helps them prioritize it. And I wonder if we're seeing a bit of a difference now with the isolation as a result of COVID in terms of kids thinking about what are wants and what are needs. I wouldn't doubt it. With not being able to spend as much time physically with each other, then for a lot of teenagers especially, we already know it's the case with adults, but teenagers even more, their social worth, if you like, is often tied to their phones. So those students who were probably on the fence about whether it's a need more than likely have come this way and, and now feel it's definitely a need versus maybe a need. I think that one of the things that kind of scares me for children um, growing up in the world today is the impact of marketing. There's the side of teaching money basics, teaching kids to understand money, uh, how to save, how to spend. The reality is they are in a world that's just overwhelming with sophisticated marketing. And I'm wondering what you think in terms of the importance of understanding money, of financial literacy, not just as a tool for decision making, but also as a kind of shield or weapon against some of these marketing messages to really equip kids to evaluate them. I find in general that the concept of willpower isn't talked about enough when it comes to understanding money and how it works. And I'll use a, an example in some of the classes that I teach where people will be walking through a mall and see something and want it and not even think, can I afford it? It's, it's there in the bright lights and the beautiful colors and whatever else the store has done to, to get them to come in. And I'll say to them, if you were at home and you saw that, maybe online or in a flyer, versus walking past it, would you want it as much? Maybe sometimes the answer is yes, but more often the answer is no. The concept of willpower and exerting that willpower to not spend money that you don't have, I think is a big gap right now in people's financial literacy understanding. It's a big challenge in the world that we live in because we're in this consumer society and the balance of learning whether you can afford something versus being marketed something and getting you to buy it right away, that there's a big disconnect there. And I think a big opportunity for parents when their children make these kinds of demands, I really want this, I really need this, etc., to even use that as a teaching moment about, you know, let's really unpack this and what is it you want about it? What is it that's attractive? Can you afford it? Can we afford it, etc.? Definitely. When I was younger, about 12, 
my mother started giving me an allowance and it wasn't anything I had to work for, but she asked me to write down everything that she spent money on for me in a 12-month period. So my brother and I both were asked to do this and it worked out to about $25 a week. And she started giving us both $25 a week and said, that's it, don't come to me for money again. And so we had to budget that $25 a week, make sure that it would cover all of the expenses. And I'm not talking about, you know, food and shelter and, and that kind of thing. But if we wanted to go on um, a vacation, like a weekend vacation with a friend's family and wanted spending money, or if we wanted to buy some, in Australia we don't have proms, but an equivalent to prom outfit, we had to save our $25 a week over however many weeks to make sure we had enough money to pay for it. And that was a huge learning experience for me and set me on the path that I'm that I'm on now. And I've just recently started that with my daughter about a year ago. And I don't have to worry now. She's learning about money and she is having to pay for anything that she feels she needs and she's having to save for those things that she can't afford. I think that's a really important thing for kids to learn and to establish those habits that they're going to carry on into their adult life. That's the really important thing about teaching kids about money, right, is establishing the habits that will serve them so well in adulthood. That's right. Understanding what they have, understanding how much it's worth, understanding what they need further down the line, whether it's today, tomorrow, or, or next month. But you're absolutely right. Learning now and practicing now when they're younger, then they don't have to think about it nearly as much. They don't have to stress about it nearly as much when they're older. I'm a big fan of the cooling off period for both my own shopping and in terms of, you know, when I was teaching my own kids about money, is that if you want something, you see something, you want it, wait 24 hours if you really want it. <laughs> That's a great that is a that is a great tool for sure. It's, Even longer uh, if you can wait longer. Exactly. I'm wondering, do you think that the pandemic is making people think differently about money and think differently about how they talk to their children about money? I really hope so. I really do. I think it's been a very eye-opening event for a lot of people. You know, you have people that are really just getting by and when they lose their jobs, they need all the help that they can get. But then you have people who aren't just getting by, they're doing just fine, but they're not doing anything to help themselves. So then they also needed help when everything closed down. So I really hope for those people that are in a situation where they could be helping themselves a little better, that they start to either learn a little bit more about how money works or learn how to put a little bit more aside for a rainy day and pass those lessons on to their children because there are so many people who could be doing it but aren't and we can see that by how much in debt so many Canadians are. Those basics are just so important, you know, understanding what money's coming in, understanding what your basic expenses are, having those healthy habits of saving every month and being able to 
understand your the difference between your wants and your needs and live within your means. It's just, you know, they're sold fashioned and we tend to think money's gotten so sophisticated. The financial world has gotten sophisticated, but at the root, those basics are still going to see you through, I think. They definitely are. And people maybe sometimes make it more complicated for themselves because you're right. It's understanding what you have, when it's coming in, understanding what you need to spend, when it needs to be spent, and planning for it ahead of time. And you don't need to do that every day or every week. You just need to do it periodically to stay on track. So if people are getting confused about it or stressed about it, it doesn't need to be as hard as maybe they think it is. They might just need a little bit of help to, to get set up at the beginning and then they can take it and run with it. And I try to explain that to the students all the time. It's not rocket science. It doesn't have to be difficult, but you do have to do it and you do have to be diligent about it. Do you see the lights go on as you're explaining these things to them? Do you find you're, you can see the lights going on? Oh, without a doubt. I remember for a grade 12 class one year, a few years back, we were looking at, it was a combination workshop of, of earning income and budgeting and expenses. And there were about 12 to 15 students in the class and a few of them were planning to move to Victoria to go to school the following year. So we did an exercise where we looked at how much it would cost for them to live in Victoria. And they looked up online how much rent would cost for different types of houses. And we laid it out in a budget. We put together a budget based on an assumed wage, which wasn't much more than minimum wage. And very quickly, they realized that the house that they liked and a car payment and food and school payments, it wasn't going to work for them. So that was a real eye-opening moment for them. Given the response that you see to the sessions that you do with students from, you know, eight, 10 years old, right up to uh, going off to university, what's your advice to parents about being brave and tackling these money questions? I think that's it. I think you just answered it. Be brave and tackle the money questions. <laughs> Don't wait for them to start asking. Start giving them information. What Whatever information you know, start giving it to them and that will start more questions. I asked my own children the other day, when did I start talking to you about money? And they rolled their eyes at me and they said, Mom, I can't even remember. It was so long ago. <laughs> I get that from my kids too. Is there something that you wish you'd known about money when you were a kid, looking back? My mum gave me a great foundation for understanding how money works. But the one thing that I wish I had known more about was debt. I was so terrified of any kind of debt until I was mid-twenties at least. I always paid off my very limited credit card limit credit card on time every month, which was a good thing but I didn't do anything else to build up any kind of a credit rating. I didn't even know what a credit rating was. So I was 27 before I even had my first loan from a bank, which was only $3,000 to help pay for a car. 
but I didn't understand that you didn't have to be terrified of debt. You did have to understand that there are different kinds of debt. So be terrified of the bad kinds, but don't worry so much about the good kinds. They can work in your favor. Do you have any advice for parents who right now may be struggling with their own finances and you know, sharing with their children that these are difficult times and there may not be the kind of money that they're used to? You know, A lot of people are, have suffered job loss or cut back hours. It's hard for the families. But also, I think, an important opportunity for transparency and honesty. I think parents shouldn't be afraid to show their children how much money is coming in and what it needs to be spent on, particularly if it's changed a lot since, say, this time last year or before everything was shut down in the spring, because it will help children understand that maybe last year there was three to five thousand dollars a month that went towards paying for all of the expenses wants and needs whereas this year maybe there's only two thousand dollars a month or two and a half thousand dollars a month so children can understand that kind of a, a concept it's Again, it's not a difficult concept, but the more open that parents can be about how much money they do or don't have, the easier it will be for children to understand why they can or can't have something that they want. What do you hope the future will look like? What what the road ahead is going to look like when we emerge from this crisis? Because we will emerge from COVID. It may be a year or two away, but that will happen. How do you think we'll be different and what do you hope will look like? I hope that everyone can afford to put a little bit of money away to save. What three things would you recommend that parents develop in their children, whatever their children's age? What, what are the core things that we really want our children to be prepared with? Willpower and delayed gratification would be one. Saving would be two. And consistently saving. And then the third one would be understanding if you can afford something. I think those are three great goals to get parents talking to their kids. You know, that, that idea of willpower and, and delayed gratification is really important. So, Lee, tell me about your golden rule of saving. Ah, right. Every class, no matter what, I talk about my golden rule of saving. And I tell students that... If they can save 10% of every dollar that they receive, then they'll be set up uh, on a much healthier financial path. And I say to them, who thinks that saving 10% of, of your pocket money or your earnings is difficult? And it doesn't matter what grade it is, grades three right through to grade 12, they all say, no problem. And then I say, who thinks that it would be hard if you were an adult to say save 10% of your income? And they all say the same thing, no problem. And then I look at the teacher and I say, so maybe your teacher has a different answer. And the teachers always say, it's really hard. <laughs> so it's a <laughs> they're not understanding why it's so hard. So then that leads into the stories about all of the things that come up that you need to pay for. 
you know, not just the things that you need, but all of the things that you want and the whole consumer society and wanting to spend on all sorts of things that are impulse purchases. So I try to, I try to say 10% isn't much, and if you start doing it now, you'll be able to keep doing it, but it's going to be much harder to try to do it if you wait until you're a lot older and already an adult trying to navigate the financial world. A wonderful golden rule. Lee, thanks so much for the stories, tips and tricks and the insights on teaching kids about money. I think parents who are listening to this will really have some solid things that they can bring up with their kids and not be afraid to raise these topics with their children because children are actually very interested in money, as you say, and, and really capable of understanding more than we often give them credit for. So to our listeners, you can click on the resources in this podcast in the episode description on your podcast app. Please note, the views expressed in this podcast by our guests are theirs alone. This is a recorded podcast. The information presented as it relates to the COVID-19 pandemic is current as of the date of recording. New and changing government restrictions and assistance programs may have come into effect since the recording date. Please seek additional professional advice or information before acting on any podcast information which pertains to COVID-19. This has been another episode of Mastering Money, the Educator's Edition, brought to you by Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada. Please rate and review us, and if you'd like to get in touch, our email is financialliteracy at cpacanada.ca. In these uncertain times, be well, be kind, be safe. We're on this road together. Mm -hmm.